Open Mic is a podcast brought to you by Bethel Express of America. All right, we're back. And um, from the last time we were together, uh, my man Andrew, the hero, Sport H, went, was with us. And uh, he's got a pretty nice voice, too. But uh, but he's more like a radio voice. The voice that you were hearing before him and back today is my beautiful wife, Julia. I'm from Westbury, Long Island. And I told you, y'all would notice the accent. So, uh, so she's back. So, how you doing? I'm good, honey. Good. I almost called you baby doll. Oh no, I did. did. I guess I did. Oh well. There's no guessing. Hey, you did. I did. Oh well. Long. Uh, what, 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 okay. How does how does Steve Steve Urkel say? He says he says, um, I don't want to talk about your unmentionables. Oh, I mentioned them. So anyway, getting back, y'all. <laughs> We're back. So, um. It's good to have you back. I I, I I missed you. It was good to have the hero small age here. But so talk to me. Let's go. What's going on? Everything's good. I'm excited to be back, and I want to just go right into everything now. So we were talking about um, transitions. Everything's a transition, and one of the things was uh, you were on college, the man on campus, the leader, the revolutionist. A revolutionary, mm-hmm. and then you ended up doing rap music. Can you reiterate that again and, and what it's done to open up things for you musically, um, ministerially wise? Did I say I mean ministerially wise? Mm-hmm. Well, getting well, here it goes. This is I call this the Kuta Quinte edition. Um, from the very beginning, the youth pastor was giving a message at this time. I, I've already graduated from college. I'm working on my master's degree. I'm at the youth service because that was the service that I connected with the most, but it was a college and career age people of which I was one. And he said that there is a unique way in which God wants to use everyone. And so he said, we need to seek God so we can know what it exactly he wants us to do with that unique gift. And so that night I went home and I prayed and asked for it. And just, you know, I was going to get up and just do what I, what I was going to do. And 10 minutes later, I found myself writing down, you know, rhymes um, or poetry, because that's really what rap is, poetry to a beat. And so uh, I went, wow, that was that was different. You know, 10 minutes later, I found myself writing down another one. And I said, Lord, if this is you, you'll inspire me to write another one. And immediately I wrote another one. And then I says, okay, Lord, if this is you, you'll give me favor with the leadership at um, um at our church. And, of course, they saw me doing it with the young people, and they called me aside, and they said, Mike, you know, we don't know what it is that you're doing. We don't understand it, but we want you to know we recognize God in it and God on you. And so that's when I knew that, that you know, I had the approval of people who didn't even understand it, but they knew how to understand God. Uh, when I had prayed initially, I thought that I was going to be you know, just a drummer. And, you know, I grew up playing James Brown on the drums, cooling the gang, mandrill, all that stuff. I figured I'd just have a, just a funk band, you know, maybe a little jazz in the mix. And, you know, we would take time and give an altar call, you know, share and, and do it along those lines. But the Lord had something much different in mind. So that's how I started rapping. And it was not my choice. It was it was not my choice. It was my decision. Glad about it because, of course, I grew up in NYC. There was hip-hop all around. So I enjoyed it, but I did not think that that was what I'd be doing. 
And so that's how that that's how that was birthed in me. And um, the more I did it, and the more raps that I was starting to get, um, the musicians with the youth worship team, youth worship band, and I was the percussion player with them. They would, uh, they would, you know, I would hum a hum a melody and some rhythm to them, and they would do the music, and then I would rap over top of the music at youth service. And this happened, it got to the point where it was about every week. And that went on for about three solid years. And so um, it was just growing. We would play out and they would give me a set. I would play, you know, I'd play and then I would rap. And it just began to grow even more. And every little once in a while, people who were in the music industry or people who were just well connected with, with a larger audience, if you will, would hear me and they would ask me to do stuff with them and do stuff for them. And then I found myself being invited out to youth groups, invited out to camps and and retreats and to to rap, give my testimony and or even do a couple of teachings. And it just began to grow from there. And it just it got to the point where I literally had to leave my job. I had to leave my you know, I had to leave my position at Brockport. Um because it, it 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 was just becoming it was it was obvious that the law was pushing me out of that so that I would be able to do you know do dedicate all of my efforts to music. So before you left Rockport, you had gone on ministry trips or missions trips, and one of them was England. And so you were used to being seeing people go crazy because that was the new mm-hmm. craze. Um, did you ever think that this would be a career in terms of just doing? Rap, or what would you do with it? I know you talked about a fisherman and bait, so I had no idea that it would be that I would end up doing what i I ended up doing. I had no idea. I did begin to after a while, I did started to have the desire to to go into recording on a larger scale because in order for me to do what I wanted to do or or needed to do. I needed to have the right resources, not financially, but just like equipment, studio. I did a couple of things in my friends in the studios that my friends had, but you know, for mass production, you know, the age the age old selling your stuff out of the trunk, you know, I was getting to that point. We, you know, or back then it was cassettes. But, you know, I was, you know, I was getting to that point and I was like, I need I need I need to have you know, mass quantities of this stuff to make to make it available to people because people wanted it. Um, then I was coming across radio uh, DJs, secular and Christian, and they wanted my stuff. And you know, I back then they didn't make as much of a big deal about it as they would today with the re- quality of, quality of the recording. But I needed to get some quality stuff in the hands of people. So you know, that's that's. So, so, but did I did I know that I was no? But as it drew closer to the time that I ended up doing it anyway, the desire in me was growing because I was like, man, I'm being asked by hundreds of people now. You know, I'm in front of thousands of people now. I'm not gonna be able to do this in my in my living room making cassettes and mass producing them at the church off the 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 multi the multi tape tape duplicator. I I was like. This is not working. I need to be in the industry. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so you never saw it as entertainment purposes. Right. Okay, you always saw it part of 
the ministry of who you were or are. So um, when I think of where you've been with the rap music, um, and you weren't just a rapper, what were some of the things that you uh, involved yourself in? And another question to that is, how we, we know that kids loved you. How were you perceived by others, specifically adults or other organizations? Kids loved, kids loved it. Adults, you know, had their arms crossed and folded in, looking at me all kind of ways. And pastors, some pastors, they did not understand it, but were like, okay, my kids are, are responding to this. And this guy is up here preaching Jesus real strong and direct. And my kids are responding to the gospel, you know, so, it, you know, it was almost like the ends justify the means with some of them. But, uh, oh, yeah, there were, there, were, there were boycotts, there were protests. Well, there were threats. There were death threats. I remember times that I, that I just wouldn't even tell you, you know, that, that we had been threatened or I had been threatened. But, yeah, there had been a good number of threats over the years. But, but um, so I got a little bit of both. I got more of the good than the bad at least in terms of what I was hearing. But, you know, there was a whole lot of bad. Book uh, Three books have been written and, and were written in those days, um, one of which he dedicated pretty much the whole chapter to why I was of the devil. Um, <laughs> and today he's not walking with the Lord. And I go on, but I'll leave that alone. But 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 the other two books mentioned me, and excerpts from my interviews. They took my interviews out of context, my responses out of context. You know, so there was a, there was pretty much an all-out, you know, uh, I don't want to say attack, but there was an all-out anti-Michael Peace, anti-rap, period, whether it was me or any of the other rappers, campaign from people um, who did not embrace hip-hop at all. Mm-hmm. So now when you said other rappers, that brings me to um, when you... We're doing rap music. People called you the grandfather of Christian <laughs> hip hop, holy hip hop, or and or a godfather. Uh, what did that mean to you, and how did you feel you got to that status? Well, it, it meant a lot to me. It was kind of funny because I was still in my late twenties when they started calling me grandfather. Um, but it, it meant a lot to me because my my goal, and even for the for all of us back in those days, our goal was to get the gospel out. We knew that hip hop would do it for those who could hear hip hop, and so we did it. Now uh, it has come up many times since 1987 to this very day, um, saying that I'm the grandfather of Christian hip hop, and some call me the godfather of Christian hip hop. The reason why they call me the grandfather only the only reason is because I was I I, I was the first on a major label doing a full project. You know, like eight, nine songs. Like an album, you mean? Yes, a full album. Uh, but I consider, and I think everybody else should also consider, Stephen Wiley to be the grandfather. He had a project out before I ever went into the studio for the first time. And so, um, I, and I've often joked with him face-to-face because we're very good friends. I said, I said, well, if I'm the grandpop, you're the great-grandpop because <laughs> your, your stuff was out before me. And so that's the reason why people do say that, okay. Um, uh, but but in terms of in terms of the Godfather, um, everybody has said, look, Mike, you know, we need to give you a status um, of of honor because of what you have done 
um, you know, for us in hip hop. And although you're not the grandfather, you deserve some type of uh, uh, some type of title of of patriarchy. And so they says you are the Godfather. And so those rappers and they, that's what they, they they're all calling me Godfather of Christian hip hop. And if they if anyone ever calls me the grandpa, you know, grandfather, whatever, I'll I'll let them know it's really Stephen Wiley. Hmm, okay, so a lot of those groups were out when you were doing music. What was was their communication? Um, what was the goal of their music versus what you were doing? Were you guys pretty much on the same page of what you wanted to use rap music for? We all wanted to. All we really cared back in those days was to get the gospel out through hip hop. That was all we really cared about. We were doing that long before we had record contracts, and even since we not not one of us has a contract now. All we ever cared about was getting the gospel out. Uh, we wanted to um, get Christian, the Christian music industry to understand that this was a viable genre, a viable um, art form that, that we can use to get the gospel out there. Of course, most music executives, like most people who, are in, who, who look at things from a business standpoint, they, they want to look at the financial side of it and, you know, how can, you know, what can we, you know, how much money can be made out of this? Well, you know, the truth be told, most most of us did not make, quote unquote, most of our money through through sales, but through doing concerts, you know, and things along that side, you know, getting honorariums. But but still in all, that's all we cared about. One thing we, the one, if, if you talk to any of them from back in the day, though, they would tell you it really, it really bristled all of us when, non-rap groups were getting awards for rap and they were not even rappers. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Well, for the, for in the beginning, Dove Awards, which would be considered what they call the Christian Grammys, you know, the Dove Awards, the Stella Awards. Uh, and even when, when the Grammys finally recognized, you know, us as Christian, just Christian artists, period. Um, not just hip hop, but you know, singers and everything else. Even they were giving the awards to people that were not rappers. Somebody might have dropped six, you know, spit sixteen bars in a song, you know. Um, some of them weren't even Christians, you know. Um, the Winans, they were Christians. They loved Jesus. Have always loved Jesus. But they had Teddy Riley who produced that one song. It's time to make a change. Teddy Riley was not a Christian at the time. He dropped sixteen bars, and the first official rap album, first official. Devil War was given to the Winans. They were not rappers. They would have told you that. They were not rappers. They, Teddy Riley spit 16 on that, and that was nominated and won. By a landslide, if I may add. You know, and that's the year I should have gotten it. Shoot. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, but but I but I said it, we we were together as a as a coalition earlier this year. And um and I said, and we talked about this on live, on Facebook Live, and I said... So you're speaking of Mic Drop. Yeah, yes, for Mic okay. Drop. Yes, thank you. The, the so Christian can you move, yeah. explain what Mic Drop is? Well, well let me finish this and okay. I go to that. See, gotcha. see, we're married, but I got the mic now, I so know, I can do honey. this. You know, so, but, and, and, and I said, on behalf of all of us, I said, yeah, we, we were not getting respect or props for all of that kind of stuff, but we were not doing it for the record sales, and we were not doing it for, to get the awards. We were really doing it to reach the loss. And that's really what matters most and counts the most. It would have been nice. It would have been good because God gave us something that deserved their, that, that, that type of response reaction from the public 
although we did not get it, that's not the issue as much as we did what the Lord wanted us to do. So, okay, now, as far as uh, the movie's concerned, it's called Mike Drop, M-I-C Drop, all right? And it is the history and the origin of Christian hip-hop, Christian rap music. <laughs> How we started to call it, we went from going Christian rap to calling it holy hip-hop. You know, uh, shout out to uh, Soup the Chemist for doing that. But, you know, but that's where, and so in that move, well, it's really a documentary. And it was from, mm. who was the lead person that decided it was time? Darius West. And Darius West put about four years of time, effort, and blood, sweat, and everything else. And Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers Pictures put up all the money. And they're doing it. So, you know, it, it'll be in some theaters near you and, and Netflix and every other way that you can gain access to um to uh, movies. So tell us, like, what were some of the groups that were part of it? And, and it seems like you guys all had the same thing in mind, that, that your lyrics were similar in times in terms of the 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 tone and the um, intensity of it versus mm. nice, rapidy, yeah. hippity-hoppity stuff. Yeah, hippity-hop, yeah. <laughs> uh, Stephen Wiley, of course. Um, um, uh, uh, PID, which stood for Preachers in Disguise. They ended up being called Preachers, Preachers. Uh, DOCs, Disciples of Christ, um, the Gospel Gangsters. Um, oh, man, the, the Dynamic Twins. Uh a shout out, a shout out, although he's with the Lord now, to D-Boy Rodriguez. And um, uh, those, those those were pretty much you know, the, the the first generation. Petty D was involved with that as well. Soldiers for Christ, FSC? Uh, Is that uh, FSC? Yeah, SFC, Soldiers for Christ. Yeah. Oh, shout out to J.C. Du Bois, David Guzman for that yes. one. You know, he's, he propelled a lot of them forward. Uh, I did say that dyna- the dynamic twins. So, um, so those 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 are the ones that are in the um, uh, in the movie in particular, in terms of in terms of its origin and where we've come. That's pretty cool. I I was so fortunate to be at the screening. So there are screenings that are happening across the United States. The first mm-hmm. one was last year in October, um, in, Nashville. in Nashville, and then we had June in Dallas, and yep. then November. This November will be Tulsa. So we're looking forward to that. And they are actually doing some of the women, highlighting some of the women that are in hip hop now. Yeah. But there are a lot of beautiful uh, people and women that have dedicated their lives in doing rap oh, music yeah. because. Who says boys can only do it? That's right. <laughs> right? That's so, right. But um, we'll be looking at that down the road. And uh, it's been quite an experience you've had as, quote, a rapper. Um, so are you, do you like where you've, where you've been and where you've come from and where you're going? Most definitely. You know how people say I wouldn't give up those, I wouldn't give up those days for anything? Um, I definitely would not. Well, one or two days every little once in a while I would have given up, but in but cumulatively I would not give up those days for for anything. They were they were good days. They were great days. Even when our lives were being threatened, even when people were not appreciating us, the Lord was doing some amazing things. You know the letters that I was getting from from kids all across the country. Then I started getting them from other parts of the world. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Look at all these kids responding, you know. We always remember the joke we used to always have, like you can always tell when one of our albums came out because our mailbox at Bethel was full 
we say, yup, the ratings are high, sales are good, because we got so many letters. And then as, you know, as the time elapsed, go down, and another project came out, and all the letters kept coming back, and all the kids in the cars and everything else, so it was really good. Well, I can definitely say that there are some exciting stories coming down the pipe regarding you <laughs> and the rap industry. But we're going to close now. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in with us today. Catch us on November 17th when we will dive deep into a four-part series about Bethel Express and the culture it has maintained for over 30 years. Dems a lot of years. Sure so are. until then... <laughs> Be safe, be well, and God bless you. See ya.